Hey, folks, if you've been listening to our show, you've probably heard Victor talk about Hillsdale College. It's one of the few colleges in the U.S. still interested in teaching truth. What you probably didn't know is that they have over 40 free online courses. And Victor is one of the professors in three of those courses, American Citizenship and its Decline, based on Victor's book, The Dying Citizen, How Progressive Elites, Tribalism, and Globalization Are Destroying the Idea of America, The Second World Wars, based on his book by the same name, and Athens and Sparta, partly based on his book, A War Like No Other, How the Athenians and Spartans Fought the Peloponnesian War. Don't you wish Victor would have been one of your professors in college? Well, now you can join him as he covers some of the main ideas of his books with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, for free. The courses are seven to nine episodes long, and they are self-spaced, so you can take them whenever and wherever. I think I'm going to start with American Citizenship and Its Decline, where Victor explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state, and the rise of globalist organizations. Hey, start your free course with Victor Davis Hansen today. Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash vdh to start. It's free and it's easy to get started. That's hillsdale.edu slash vdh to start. hillsdale.edu slash vdh. <laughs> Hello, gentlemen. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Victor is the Martin and Neely Anderson Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. His official home on the aforesaid World Wide Webs is victorhanson.com. You should be subscribing to that. I'll give you a little more information about that later on in the podcast. Victor, let's start out today by talking about one of the great, great war movies, and that, of course, it's come under the microscope of wokeism, and that's Zulu. And Michael Caine, who first, that was his first big role, is lashing out at the woke monsters uh, overseeing our culture. And we'll get your thoughts on that, Victor. Maybe your thoughts on Zulu, too, as a movie. And plenty more right after these important messages. <laughs> Have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and veggies may actually lower, lower your risk of cancer. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. If not, you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is found in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. Will Field of Greens prevent, treat, or cure cancer? No, but it's so powerful, it promises at your next checkup 
Your doctor will notice your improved health or your money back. I got you 15% off and free rush shipping. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code VICTOR, V-I-C-T-O-R, for your discount. That's promo code VICTOR at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Folks, we're sponsored today by Donors Trust, the tax-friendly way to preserve your charitable giving. In times of crisis, those with a giving spirit and a desire to build up civil society find ways to be helpful. And that's when it's good to have a charitable resource ready to deploy when they're needed most. Donors Trust offers donor-advised funds or giving accounts. You can use these funds as your own charitable investment account and manage your charitable giving in a way that's smart, tax-advantaged, aligned with your values, and private. Donors Trust clients are using their funds to support charities helping their local communities while also using their giving account to simultaneously support think tanks and liberty-minded organizations that believe our constitutional rights shouldn't get lost in a time of emergency. Now is the time to take a closer look at Donors Trust and join their community of liberty-minded donors by opening a donor-advised fund. Go to DonorsTrust.org slash JustNews for the ultimate survival guide to charitable giving and learn how a donor advised fund can preserve your ability to give to the charities you love. That's DonorsTrust.org slash Just News. Victor, uh, we're back. So I do want to, before we talk about Zulu, I just have to say, give me a minute here. You know, the theme song, you picked it for this podcast is the Gary Owen, which was the the, the song of uh, the fighting 69th, the Irish Brigade, is still a, the theme song for the uh, first uh, U.S. First uh, Cavalry. It's an Irish ditty. It, it came from the Limerick area. And some people have complained about the song. I, I don't know if, if there's general ignorance of it, but as you recall, the, the first song we had used as the you know intro to the podcast was the Battle Cry of Freedom, and some people thought that that yeah you know, that was the most yeah. Well, I we won't, a, won't get into who we won't know. I, I had a, I had a memo. Please <laughs> cease and desist because of the racist nature of the. Battle Hymn of the Republic, and I just wrote a polite note back, wrong side. Right, right. I mean, they equated it with Dixie. Anyway, the 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 Gary Owen is just a great, great tune, and it's uh, appropriate just to mention that. You remember that? Yeah, it was in, that, it was in that, remember that movie, They Died With Their Boots On? Died with, yeah, Flynn? sure. Yeah. He, also, he, he, there's a scene in there where he says, and we have this song, I want to hear it play for you, and that's our right. theme song. Yeah, he met some old British... Um, uh, um, yeah. Officer who started playing it, and it's a, yeah, it's a, it had its wasn't own it montage. Olivia, wasn't Olivia de Havilland in that too? Yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. they were. I think they were in nine movies together. They they were not married, but mm. uh, you know, Errol Flynn was such a great, great actor. But like Robin Hood and just yeah. just terrific. Speaking of great actors, by the way, Victor Michael Caine is a great actor. The first yeah, big movie he was in was uh, i think it was 1964 zulu and we've talked in the past about your you know favorite war movies and uh i think about you know i I love war movies and of course i'm typically thinking about battleground or american movies and zulu always escapes you know my, my recollections but 
I'm, I think that movie is phenomenal. It's just a it beautifully is. done movie. Oh, well, it's and, very accurate, too. It's historically pretty. I mean, Bromwell and Chard were Stanley Baker and Michael Caine, and they were just lowly. One was an engineer lieutenant. One was a lowly lieutenant. And they found the day after the massacre at Islawando. I mean, that was a great massacre. They had 1,700 British troops. I wrote about, only reason I know that, I wrote about it in Carnage and Culture. And one of the chapters was on Rourke's Drift, which is the basis for the uh, 1964 film you mentioned. And yeah, it was uh, it was a wonderful film. And uh, it was accurate. They After Isla Wanda, they, you know, the, the British Army had these crazy bureaucratic rules that they locked the, the armor boxes. And you with a key so that they wouldn't waste ammunition. Right. And when the Zulu horn came around the uh, at the British position, they had seven. They thought, you know, we have seventeen hundred people, and may, they may have four or five thousand, but they're Zulus, and they don't have modern weaponry. They had got some Portuguese muskets and stuff, but mostly they were the Asagis and the spears. But they were very fast, and they were the dread of indigenous warf. Uh, you know, forces in Africa, they were so deadly because of their speed. And uh, when they started to swarm the British position, they came out over a rise and they ran basically a 200 yard dash. And people said, give us the weapons. And that was another thing about the British Army. You know, they had been using they meaning forces, armies had been using Spencer uh, and Sharps repeating rifles in the Civil War that had anywhere from six to eight to 10 shots, you know, lever action, repeating rifles. And so they, that was, that technology was known for at least 12 years, but the British army felt that they needed a breach, you know, if they're going to have a breech loading kind of a bowl, uh, kind of like a lever type of gun, it was a single shot Jack. It had a huge, it had a 303, as I remember, charge from when I wrote the book. And like, kind of like a 30-06 would have fit, but it had a huge, uh, what I'm getting at, it had a huge uh, powder charge in it, the shell. And it was deadly at, all, at up to a mile, and it was very accurate. High velocity, big punch. So the British said, you know what, we're not going to use carbines. And we want to get stopping power in, in our colonial warfare. And that was that came back to haunt them because... They had a slow rate of fire and they couldn't get ammunition and they were killed. They were wiped out. Just a few escaped. And then they they warned this little tiny. I think it was a missionary station. Isn't Jack Hawkins? Was, the, the, yeah. He, when he, you're all going to die as he is uh, yelling as he's uh, his way goes off. But, yeah, it was a missionary state station and a hospital also. Yeah. And hospital. he uh, they they were. What I'm getting at, they for in one direction from Miss Lawanda, they were the collecting grounds. They were an engineer. They were supposed to be building a little bridge. Uh, and all of these people came in and said they've been wiped out. They've all been wiped out. An entire British army, 1700. What are we? And some had escaped. And they these two lieutenants were very lowly. They it was amazing. And they just took control and they brought anybody in that would. And they even had a couple of South Africans. Anybody who wanted to form, they got up to about 180 people. And they took this little 
they had just a few hours and, you know, they had these mealy bags, as I remember. These were bags of uh, fodder and oats and stuff for horses. And that was a supply depot. And they made the, they're kind of like sandbags and they planned out a fort. And it was very successful. And for a whole day and a half, they uh, they fought off somewhere between four and 5,000 Zulus. They probably killed over a thousand of them. And before the battle, they went out and hammered stakes every hundred yards so that everybody would know the exact half inch drop rate of the bullet or a quarter inch. And so they were magnificent sharpsmen and brave. And that that movie, the funny thing, and I'm trying to remember the guy's name, who was the. Um, who, Stanley Baker? In, uh, no, he was a great actor. It was Enfield. I only remember that because it's the same name as a, as a, no relation, but it was the name of a Lee Enfield rifle. But he was a, the guy who uh, directed that, this is what I don't understand about blacklisting or getting angry or about this movie. He was a communist, a, a, a flat out communist, and he was in Hollywood and he left. And he couldn't get a job. They had blacklisted him, canceled cultured him, ostracized him. So he went to Britain and he didn't have a lot of effect, but he got fascinated with Africa and he made this movie. And then you remember that there was a sequel called Zulu Dawn. Right. And he was the he couldn't be the director because it was going to be made in the United States. But this was 64. I mean, this was years after the McCarthy period. He still was yeah, not. Cy, Cy Enfield. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. who it was. Yeah. Well, anyway, he made another. It's not as good, but it's much. It's very long, and it's about. It's the prequel to the, the wipeout of Dislawand. I think it was made for TV. I saw it when I was in high school, or grammar school. It was anyway. It's a movie. It's very good as well. But yeah, and they don't want uh, Michael. I mean, they're trying to ban Zulu because well, me, uh, you want... it because hey, it, too me... many Zulus get killed. No, here's here's the headline. So this is Daily Mail. Sir Michael Caine hits out at bull, I'm not going to curse, suggestion his 1964 Zulu incites extremism after it was included on list by governments, this is the British government's prevent scheme, prevent for, quote, encouraging far right sympathies, end quote. And Victor, not only is this movie, but of course they they this the whoever these prevent people are this is a function of your of the tory conservative government in britain coming up with this commission to find things in their culture which are you know inappropriately woke this movie of being one of them they also listed there was these british comedies yes minister back in the 50s a movie I can't. I've only seen it twice. The Dam Busters, which was a military that's a good movie. movie. I've seen that. That's yeah, wonderful. but that's on the that's on the prevent list. This is a this is and by the that way, that was when they had those skipping bombs that hit right. the Ruhr Valley. Yeah, and that not only movies, movie. the com the complete works of William Shakespeare are on the complete. prevent list. Yeah, complete. This is insane. So Michael Michael Caine is you know uh, you know catches your attention. Michael Caine says BS. But what's this. weird about it is that these were in the case of the Dam Busters <laughs> and Zulu, they weren't made up. They were actual historical events. Right. And I, I remember Richard Todd, I think, or was in the Dam Busters. It's a great movie, and they all you know they they're trying to break up the Ruhr dams and flood it. And they were successful. 
and they they did these techniques of bouncing a bomb across a lake, but right. it was an actual. I mean, it was an elaboration, but it was an actual event. So what the, what these censors in Britain are doing is saying, we don't want to talk about the actual reconstruction a reconstruction of an actual event. We don't like that part of history. But I don't know why the dam busters, because they're killing Nazis, right? <laughs> you'd think, you'd think. Well, let's not be uh, mean to the Germans. Was a, was a or song maybe right after the war. Yeah. I don't know if there. Were, I can't remember if there was any, you know, bias expressed among the crews. I mean, in Doctor Strangelove, it's a joke when Slim Pickens said, "We don't discriminate between race, religion, or something." With, you know, that that was something. But yeah. Uh, well, you know who's Gosh. not complaining about this? So the, the Zulus. Zulus, yeah, they're they're they're. Was it Bukawazi? Is that the kid, the guy that was their head? He was in it. I remember that when he was a kid. Yeah, he well, he, he played the Zulu leader. Yeah, he is now. According to the story, he's now he's ninety four, but he's cool with with the movie. And what the hell is this? It, it actually, if you if if you haven't seen the movie. I really encourage it just as a great, and it, it's really entertaining. But anyone that would watch it would come away with great respect for the Zulus, even though they, you know, they lost the battle. There's no dissing them. Uh, it's, it's. I don't know. I, I can't get where, where people these, should realize that it, it's a. It was a pretty, Sesiwayo, the king. You know, it was. It was part of the colonization of South Africa, and the Zulus were one tribe that was being supported by the South African. And so, and today, the Zulus are the most conservative of all African peoples in South Africa, and because they're very independent, and they have tribal lands. But in the uh, the actual narrative, it was pretty tough when they came. It was kind of like the Sioux. Uh, little bighorn because when they came back that many of the British soldiers had their genitals cut off and then stuck in their mouth. That happened on Okinawa as well with Japanese soldiers doing that. So it wasn't a play sport. It was deadly serious. And after Rourke's Drift, the British went in and they didn't mess around. The next series of battles, they had uh, maximum machine gun, and they basically destroyed the entire military architecture of the Zulus. But if anybody wants to read the history of the Zulu nation, you better be very careful and brace yourself because it's one of genocide, of killing everybody uh, that was an opponent of the Zulu king. It's killing children. It's a pretty tough culture, and it institutionalized violence. So it's not as if this is a black-white morality tale. Right. It really isn't. Is it? Victor, I, only, I, I, I was interested in the technology and why uh, indigenous troops that had access to Portuguese weapons from Mozambique from years, by 1879, and they outnumbered uh, basically well over 200 to 1, a, right. a small little group of engineers that weren't really first line troops and were ad hoc, how technology and discipline and the ability to draw on a military tradition uh, was of advantage to them. And that could nullify the huge numerical advantage of the enemy. 
Right. Who had that guns? Was, by the way, I think they picked up guns from the ba- the battle. They did. They didn't know how to use them, though. It, okay. That's the point. It was like the okay. Native Americans had weapons that were sold to them, but they didn't know how to fix them to make to maintain them. And okay. they were not they, they they learned to be very good shots. But there is a science, as everybody knows, to marksmanship. And that science was developed over a long period of time in the West. So my point in, in that chapter in Carnage and Culture was while they were shooting these acquired weapons or the ones they had purchased before the battle, Chard and Brumfield had people put spikes out in various directions. So when they were behind their little stockade and a Zulu was running toward them, they could calibrate at what what. Uh, distance he was from them, and then they could make the necessary adjustments on aiming high for the drop in the bullet. Whereas, from what we know from diaries, they were walking around and the Zulus had the high ground and the bullets would typically go two or three feet over their head. Because if you don't know how to operate a very heavy weapon, I think they weighed eight or nine pounds, a Martini Henry rifle. Then they, it's, when I had my daughters and I would teach them to shoot, shotguns or i had a 30 out six they would always shoot high everybody shoots high victor one last thing about this again i'm looking at a daily mail article and towards the end of it um and this is disturbing again british government has been under the control of alleged you know conservative slash tory governance for the last dozen plus years and it's still a hotbed of of wokeism and hunting uh, like 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 general milley hunting for these white supremacists in the army well the yes. british rep- and here's what in addition to the other you know complete works of shakespeare the taxpayer funded document this is the prevent document included references to the lord lord of the rings by tolkien huxley's brave new world joseph conrad's a secret agent 1984 and the poems of G.K. Chesterton. It also referenced films, including Bridge on the River Kwai and Great Escape, works of Shakespeare, Chaucer, Milton. If I could go, th- go through some of them that, that our audience knows. So Chesterton, I mean, he wrote a poem on the Battle of Lepanto, right? He wrote books, I mean, poems right. about, but they're not, I mean, I guess they use derogatory. He says in that poem, as I recall, the Turk rather than the Ottoman. Is that, is that bad? What would be the great escape, though? Because, I, 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 don't I know. mean, I'm, I'm thinking back through that. Uh, Maybe I there were no blacks that, in the movie. I don't, I don't know the criteria they used in the report. Like, why is it bad? Is, uh, or is, is it the racial balance and things? Or is it just the I, I don't wars? Know. Why, how, I don't know. Yeah. I know Lord of the Rings, when the first movie came out, I wrote an article for National Review about people criticize the black orcs, remember? And in the two towers and the return of the kings, the orcs be- appear white. You remember that? They're white orcs. And I noticed in the Hobbit yeah. sequel, most of the orcs are white. But Tolkien, I don't know who he thought. If you think he had a contemporaneous group of people, I don't know. You'd have to look at it linguistically when you speak orcish. Which language does, I think it's more tuned to Arabic, I'm not sure. And they have scimitars. So if you're going to have a stereotype villain that is insensitive, it might be Arabs. And I know that, you know, there have, there's people with the 
elephants and they come from the south. Maybe they're from India, supposedly. And there have been people who said it was anti-Semitic because the dwarves are fascinated with money and fixed data. And some of the renditions of them in some of the movies were anti-Semitic, supposedly. I don't know. But the point is that a person has a complete freedom to write what he wants, and people have a right to read what he wants. And I don't know whether this is just a recommended list or it has applicability to censorship in the schools or what. But well, and remember, Jack, it, it 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 doesn't go both ways. Right. It never goes both ways. So if you have particular pieces of literature or things that are very discriminatory to other people or they're pornographic, or they mainline certain sexual activities that offend people. It doesn't matter. You can't you can't ban that. You can't complain. I think everybody just wants to play a fair playing field. Right. Just let it go out and make let people decide. Well, Victor, enough of uh, Michael Caine and Zulu. That, but uh, and thanks for the history lesson. There, I was hoping uh, we'd hear that from you. I think next we should probably get your thoughts, Victor, on the Twitter. Files hearings, and we'll get to that right after this important message. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors, no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? For our listeners, Factor is giving you 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month when you use the promo code VICTOR50 at factormeals.com slash victor50. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well-balanced. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Remember, to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month, Head to factormeals.com slash Victor50, that's V-I-C-T-O-R-5-0, and use the code Victor50, that's code Victor50, at factormeals.com slash Victor50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Can't pay the IRS? Haven't filed in a while? Receiving threatening letters? Yeah, it's about to get worse. The IRS is hiring an army of agents targeting hardworking Americans like you. You need warriors on your side. You need Tax Network USA. Tax Network USA employs brilliant strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. For instance, they've discovered a limited-time special offer that the IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Never call the IRS alone. Let Tax Network USA attorneys handle it. They have preferred direct lines to the IRS. They know which agents to work with and which to avoid. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts 
and offer a best-in-class guarantee. Schedule your free consultation now. Call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit taxnetworkusa.com slash victor. taxnetworkusa.com slash victor. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. First, let me just recommend to our listeners, especially if you're a new listener, to visit victorhanson.com. That's Victor's official website. When you go there, there will be links to everything Victor writes and his appearances, not only these podcasts, but appearances on radio shows, other podcasts, links to his books. When you look at the articles, you'll click on some. That looks interesting. You won't be able to read it. If you're not a subscriber, those articles are called Ultra, and it costs um, a mere $5 to get in the door. A subscription for a yearly basis is $50. It's discounted. If you like what Victor writes, and you do, you should be subscribing. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of Ultra pieces. Uh, Victor writes two or three a week, exclusive to the website. So that's victorhanson.com. So, Victor... Um, Matt Taibbi, which I, I remember from a previous podcast, you have a little history with him, and Michael Schellenberger, two journalists who have exposed through Twitter the Twitter files about government censorship, government coordination uh, with Twitter, pre-Musk Twitter, to suppress uh, um, people who's Donald Trump, <laughs> the president of the United States and others, whether it's we don't like your politics. We don't like what you're saying about COVID. We don't like what you're saying about you know, school education, et cetera. So they they were called before Congress to testify. And the Democratic members of these House committees just, I think, kind of made fools of themselves. Uh, anyway, you, I'm sure you've seen some of this uh, back and forth, Victor. What, what are your thoughts? And you may want to tell us a, li- a little bit again. We have a lot of new listeners about you, you do have a little relationship with Taibbi from the past? Well, Taibbi and a fellow, I guess he had a pseudonym called, I think it was Becker, and he was called the war nerd, and they were, you know, living in post-communist Russia, and they had a uh, a magazine, and um, they would be kind of a, deliberately over the top, and, and I think he... They wrote stuff then that was pretty wild. And remember when he had a book tour uh, during the Me Too period, they said that they had admitted to having gratuitous sex and made fun of women, some of whom were underage. Those were allegations not proved, but it came out of their work and they kind of blacklisted him. And so he was fired or left Rolling Stone. He was a persona non grata. I had no personal thing against him, except that I had written in, in support of uh, when we were winning the war in Iraq and they were the war nerd created an artificial persona that he worked at the Fresno IRS. <laughs> and that so anyway, uh, at one point he wrote that he was going to burn down my vineyard. And I and they wrote back to me that I was inarticulate and couldn't write. I don't know which of the two wrote. But as I said, I did have a fire on the side of the road. I don't know if that was somebody who read it and got an idea. Right. And I did have uh, an FBI agent come to visit me about that. And uh, 
told me that and gave me some information that one of the two had entered the country at that same time. I never pursued it. I did write about it, though. People are welcome. But my point is I never I never bore them any ill will. And I wrote them a personal email. They were kind of snarky when they wrote back. And uh, what they did to Tlaibi, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know the responsibility in that book, that memoir, because I didn't I just read the excerpts, but I don't. I don't believe that he was I think it was he was making fun of women he had sex with, supposedly something like that. But I, I didn't care about it. I would, and then he reappeared again. And since he's reappeared, I thought he's done very good work. He's very, and you can see by the testimony that he was kind of baffled because, um, I mean, is that Representative Gonzalez Jack didn't know what Substack was and right. she didn't know uh, who. Barry Weiss was, who was the New York Times, which is okay, except you're you're supposed to prep yourself. Right. And then she said they were a threesome. Right. And Schellenberger. And these are all people, everybody should remember, we're talking about people on the left, Barry Weiss, Schellenberger, Clyde, they're all Democrats or to the left of Democrats. Right. And these are free speech advocates that the Democratic Party is going after these messengers because they have information that reveals through Twitter, released by Elon Musk, another man of the left, that they all worship uh, until he purchased Twitter and Tesla was their mark of green fee days. So put all that in context. And now they're very angry because they have embarrassed the left. They have shown that Jack Dorsey's Twitter and, by extension, Mark Zuckerberg's Facebook were working hand-in-glove with the FBI and other government organizations. That's the formal title they use for, I guess, the participation of the CIA. And Zuckerberg said that, that the FBI came to them. And they don't, they're in the position as leftists of defending federal investigatory agencies that are spying, are trying to harass, are trying to suppress the expression of American citizens. And that's usually what they accuse the right of doing. But this is not the Democratic Party. This is the totalitarian left that hijacked the Democratic Party. Not that there weren't Democrats in the past that did it. So that was what was ironic. So there was two or three of these. This Goldman was very rude. They were very rude. And they said they weren't journalists. You're not a journalist. You're, you're not qualified. Uh, they went. You know what I was angriest about, Jack? They went after an 80-year-old Nicholas Wade, who I used to read articles in Science and Nature by him. They were very good. He's a man of the left. He wrote a very, as I said with Sammy, just we touched on it. He wrote a very incisive article. Uh opening the discussion to the chance. It wasn't definitive. It just gave all of the evidence and said at this preliminary date, the evidence weighs more for a leak from the lab than from a bat uh, transmission. And they right. really went after him because he had written a, a, tree, a book long, oh, 12 years ago about genetics in which he tried to sum up the general state of genetics and said that it had reacted against the anthropological culture and was now starting to incorporate nature again. And he quoted, and, the, and it wasn't like Charles Murray's bell, bell curve at all, but they really went after him and said he was a racist. And then the, the embarrassed scientist said that not that he, they could, no one found that he had misquoted them. 
but right. they wanted to dis- distance themselves as cowards, so they attacked him. And they were bringing this up. I think the guy's name was Ruiz. He was an MD from New Mexico. And I mentioned to Sammy that and Mufuni, or Quizi Mufuni, that ex-head of M- the Mfume, yeah. Infume, yeah. And my only point is, if one wanted to engage in reciprocal tactics, it would be very easy to do so that Mr. Mufumi was let go by the NAACP for serial sexual harassment and uh, finally for having an an improper liaison, which I think they had to pay a large settlement. And he was asked to, to leave. And I think, you know, Talibi could have said, okay. Well, then let's ask what you do. Right. And he could have said to Dr. Ruiz, well, weren't you a campus Marxist? And you were trying to lecture people about the wonders of Mumia, the cop killer from Philadelphia. Right. So he. So my point is, if you're going to go after the messenger, make it reciprocal. And that's why we don't do it, because it, it's nihilistic. It just goes down deeper and deeper into the trough. But that's what they did. And they did not want to talk about what the testimony was that left wing, left wing, left wing social media was working with a left wing, left wing, left wing hierarchy of the FBI and by extension, uh, the CIA and possibly people in the medical profession, the Fauci team as well, to suppress what people had access to. And why did they want to do that? Because they were told or they sensed or they felt fill in the blanks that this is what was good for the Biden 2020 election team. Right. End of story. Right. Killed also the the integrity of uh, some of those science journals, to, you know, science literally, oh, the right. journals of Lancet, Nature. I don't think Lancet's going to uh, recover. I really don't. Did you? They're, all, they're all becoming so politically... Uh, correct. Well, that's that's even yeah, an archaic word. So well, it's well, I, I think, it's, 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 yeah, it's, there's going to be a new generation. Uh, yeah, it's a big de- debate. I think all of you listening, you have a big debate. It's do we just give them these institutions that we help create? Do we give them Stanford University? Do we give them Lancet? Do we give them the Oscars? Do we give them the NFL halftime show and just say, you know what? I don't watch it anymore. Or do you fight for the institution? Or do you say... Victor, 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 they've been taken over. It's kind of like Constantinople that the Ottomans took over. The city is there, but it's not the same city. And so we've got to create alternate universities, alternate journals, alternate uh, online platforms. And that seems to be the strategy now rather than fighting within Substack and Unheard and things like that. Spike. The more, yeah, the, the more difficult aspect of that, Victor, is uh, is the financial aspect. Absolutely. Like, like I need money. What if they? What if everything? You know, they know you're every. We're not going to sell you. My wife was saying this earlier. We're not going to sell you the car, Mister Fowler, because we have on record here that you're, you know, you you give this podcast of Victor Davis hands. Oh, the it's bank happening is already. Gonna... You saw that statement by Devin Nunes at Truth Social that they were getting just a fraction of their regular advertising revenues because firms, corporations, concerns that advertised on true social were then being boycotted by the left. And so they felt as a business decision, it wasn't worth it. And so they were withdrawing. And so absolutely. And um, 
I once told my wife, I said to her, um, this was about 20 years ago. I said, the, the country's gone crazy. And here are the revenue streams that we depend on to live. And I went right. through writing and books and articles and other stuff. And I said, I expect two or three of them to dry up every two years. Whether I'm I'm getting attacked, I said, I'm, and then I have to open up new ones. And that's right. been pretty accurate that it becomes impossible to write for, I won't mention the venue because they kept syndicator kept, uh, you know, censoring everything. Well, I would get back my 750 word column and, and it was track changes. It looked like it was bleeding to death. And so I think everybody understands that you have to be flexible now and protect yourself, but you don't, you can't just concede. You just have to have options. So whenever I write, or where I work, or whatever institution I'm at, I always say, what is the fallback position? Right. So that you're not put in a position of those Maoist apologies that people are forced to give. You just say, blank, blank, you, and then go back and retreat to the inner wall. Yeah. Kind of like the, the I, I was reading about Constantinople. You know, the Theodicean wall was the land wall at Constantinople, and it was a triplex <laughs> Very hard to get over. They did it in 1453 the first time, but uh, it there if you if you broke the moat, went through the moat, you went to the outer wall. If you went through the outer wall, you had to go through the pavilion. If you went up the pavilion and you got over the inner wall, which was 40 feet high, that's what everybody should think about in your profession. You have to have three walls or so, and then when they break in, you've got to be somewhere else. Wow. Well, you know, there's some heartening things in these regards, like the, of course, homeschooling and uh, the the creation of all these classical Hillsdale College, Hillsdale. But you look at the one that so there are a few existing colleges, right? And Thomas Aquinas, we mentioned these names before Christendom, et cetera. But the the uh, outrage over <clears throat> New College of Florida, we we we. Don't take away one of the several thousand colleges that we have, you know, but DeSantis and Chris Rupo and others are, are the beginning stages of trying to turn this one college around. And, of course, it's just unleashed, uh, you know, the usual furor. Uh, good luck to them in that. I, I, I think taking over the institutions is is a much more difficult task than building new ones but then you then you have dual societies i mean and, and is that good for america uh, it may have to be the new america by the way victor just talking about congressional hearings um, um did you see the hearing the the uh, uh christopher ray uh, testifying before congress and any thoughts on on his, his <laughs> relentless avoiding of answering questions well, I mean, he still doesn't believe that Hunter's laptop is Hunter's laptop. I mean, he said that he was operating on the idea that it was Russian disinformation. He couldn't rule it out. But I mean, Hunter, Hunter's, if Hunter's attorney is suing the owner of the repair shop to get back Hunter's contents, as he did, and then within a nanosecond of 24 hours later, he had to amend that request because it was a prima facie admitting that Hunter's laptop was Hunter's laptop. And then he said, we want back the I, I'm, not, I'm paraphrasing. I want back the laptop uh, or I, I don't want you to reference the laptop, which has been alleged to be Hunter's. <laughs> 
And so, but as if the Russian, so, I mean, Hunter knows that he's never denied that it wasn't his. So if he denies, he won't deny it. Why can't the FBI just come out and say, yeah, it was Hunter's laptop. And I don't know. And everything he tried to, when he was asked, he said, that's an ongoing investigation. Finally, she said, Stefanik said, it's an ongoing investigation with us too, but we can talk. Come on. And he won't disclose. I don't know why he uh, he got mad because they called Marlago a raid. <laughs> he said it was just a, you know, it was a warrant. And then they asked him about who did the warrant and all of this stuff. It was, um, he's way over his head. And um, I, I just, I think conservatives, they look back at Robert Mueller and his amnesia when, when he was under the Senate, uh, the House Intelligence committee right. testimony under oath and he said he didn't know what the dossier was and he didn't know what fusion gps which somebody reminded him had prompted the investigation and his appointment and then we had andrew mccabe who lied four times under oath to federal according to the inspector general's report and then we had of course james comey earlier who 245 times can't remember under oath and then he what memorialized a private conversation with the president of the United States and then went out and leaked it via third party to the New York Times. And then this is a guy who agency offered a million dollars. They could find one thing accurate in the dossier. And when they could not, they still submitted it to fool a judge. And if that wasn't enough, they had their lawyer, Kevin Kleinsmith, forge the document, alter it, tamper with it, felony conviction there. And then we have Christopher Ray. It's not getting any better. And that's yeah. why And you look at the polls, it's overwhelming. It's like, I think it's 55% don't have confidence in the FBI. And the people that do are hard left. You look at the people with Jennifer, only people who have more than half confidence are the people who voted for Joe Biden because they see it as a, value, a valuable instrument of the state, as long as they're in control of it. You know, Victor, another my little hobby horse with the FBI. Well, many is uh, you know we we ne- we haven't discussed this. I'm not putting you on the spot, but that um, Antifa in Atlanta uh, crashing into this area where they're building a new police station and and engaged in its usual destruction. I know there were some arrested, but how the hell the FBI has not infiltrated this? And it is an organization. It's an ideology. Oh, you know, but it, yeah, it's an ideology. But it's also an organization. And like they, um, um, you know, infiltrated the mafia and helped many places break it up. I mean, it's just staggering. This, this Antifa has wrecked so much havoc across our country, and it just does not seem to be in any way a priority for Christopher Ray and the FBI or his predecessors. It's kind of it's no, it doesn't. They it's always an act of commission and omission. Why they're as you say, they're spying on parents, or they're going after Latin mass people in Catholic Church, or they're conniving with Twitter. Then you know we have a neuroscientist from the PLA working on the faculty of Stanford University. Or we have TikTok, or we have the uh, intelligence failure on the CIA about Afghanistan, or Mark Milley assuring us while he's hunting out white supremacists, assuring us that Afghanistan won't fall in June, and then assuring us in February that Kiev will fall in a week. So these people are not just doing bad things, but they're incompetent, and they should be doing other things, and they're not. 
And that's what I think everybody should remember when you have an eat butter jig, when he's talking about the racist history nonstop of the cloverleaf, of the highway, or he, he believes America's construction crews are all white working in people of color neighborhoods when uh, the Hispanics, Hispanic workforce is 30% of all construction crews, even though they're only 15% of the population. Whites are about 60% and they're about 70% of the population. So he's got his data all wrong. But the point I'm making is when they're doing all of this, like commissars in the Soviet army or Maoist uh, Red Guard, they're not doing other things. And that's what's happening to the country. And, and I think everybody got to remember that we it's not just the English department that was ruined by these people. I and mean, we all laugh about who cares whether the Stanford History Department or English Department can turn out a competent person anymore. They can't. But who cares? Right. It's it's now filtering down to the pilot, the air traffic controller, the baggage handler. We get five near misses that we've had with we train derailment. You have power outages from green orthodoxy. You're going to have investments that are polluted by ESG. And the very stuff of American life is going to be affected. So, and I, I, I've written about it, but I, I really do believe that it's existential, it's civilizational, and I can see it where I live. Uh, these were all landmark developments, what I just will list right now, the mosquito abatement uh, program. The dog licensing program, these are all happened in the 1950s, and their idea was to stop rabies or uh, a reoccurrence of some kind of yellow fever or malaria that had been there in the 19th century where I live. Or there was mandatory garbage pickup, whether you liked it or not. You, if you were in the country, you had to have a garbage carrier. And all of that's been destroyed through illegal immigration. So if you go where I live, there's dogs with no licenses. None of them have been vaccinated. There is garbage thrown all over the roads. The roads are the garbage receptacles. I mean, I mean it. It can be 10 feet high. Appliances, car seats, upholstery, wet diapers, you name it. Kittens, you name it. I found it all there. And when you look at uh, this big, we've had a lot, a lot of wet weather, and you can just see all of these things collect water. And when it gets warm, we're going to have a lot of mosquitoes. So it's civilizational reverse, is what I'm saying. And you can see it in San Francisco. You can see it in Washington D.C., L.A., Chicago, Cleveland. It's 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 quick, right? The stuff the stuff of civilization is slow and ponderous, yeah. but man, to dismantle it. Tear down a statue is a lot easier than sculpting it. And so I don't know where it all ends, but I think everybody that's in retreat and they're finding their kind of equivalent of the late century, fourth, fifth century Roman farm where you say, we can't stop the Goths across the Rhine and Danube anymore. The Vandals have already made it in and we're just going to go out and fortify a farm. You can't do that anymore. Right. You can't cede the culture to these people. They're destructive and they don't like you and they don't like our civilization and they're trying to destroy it. Yeah. Not only trying to get their own DACA, but uh, for their own comfort, but there is a visceral hatred of the yous and me's of the world. By the way, Victor, I'd like to draw our listeners' attention to a piece you wrote. So along these lines, I think it's the most recent piece for American Greatness, Life Among the Ruins, and they can find that on Victor Hansen. 
Uh.com. Victor, we have time for one more topic. We barely talked today about Joe Biden, and we, we I think we should give him some due, especially, especially since he delivered this insane uh, budget to uh, Congress. And we'll get your thoughts on that, Victor, right after this final important message. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson show on, we'll call it St. Patrick's Eve. <laughs> I don't know if it's ever been called that before, but... By coincidence, it is this year. I'm going to make a little quick pitch of myself, Jack Fowler. I write Civil Thoughts, a free, free weekly email newsletter that I, I write for the Center for Civil Society at American Philanthropic, which is now called AMPHIL. We help nonprofits uh, with their fundraising, but we also have a goal of strengthening civil society, the very things that Victor just talking about are in decline. We we need to strengthen these institutions to protect our freedoms, protect America. And that's what we're about. But Civil Thoughts, you can sign up for it at civilthoughts.com. I offer uh, between 12 and 14 recommended readings, great articles I've come across in the previous week. It could be about art, culture, etc. If you're an intelligent person, I think you'll like it um, or like the recommendations. There's no charge. We're not selling your name to anybody. So uh, check it out, civilthoughts.com. So, Victor, two headlines from uh, my friend, my it's increasingly my favorite website, uh, just because it's got great, uh, it's on top of the news all the time, the Daily Mail, the U.S. edition. President's new budget mentions equity 63 times, transgender eight times, queer seven times. Second headline, Biden's. Budget only allocates for 350 extra border guards. That's the same president who created 87,000 new IRS agents. We only have 350 new border guards. I don't know if they come with whips uh, when they when they buy these, uh, create these new positions. Victor, quite uh, um, you know, an insane budget. Maybe he knows it's not going to be p- p- passed by this Congress and. Just wants to let his ideological freak flag fly. What do you think about what Joe Biden has done here? And no, by the way, any a, other thoughts about Biden in the last week? I mean, he's he had a bad two weeks. Um, uh, well, he's had a bad presidency, but he's had an especially terrible two weeks. Remember he said that <laughs> when he was laying down that a nurse had blown into his ears 
and she was very intimate and this had made made him get well and then earlier i went back and i noticed he'd saying the same story but only that iteration she had blown into his nostril and then he said that they'd taken what the top of his head off twice <laughs> in an operation so i don't know if you heard that out. yeah and then <laughs> and then he fell for the third time on this on the ramp up to air force one and then he said a very strange thing to black history audience. He said that I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. And uh, he said, and then he had these lies. He said the other day, as I mentioned, that even though electricity skyrocketed and natural gas skyrocketed, that he lowered uh, your, your heating and cooling bills for climate change. And then he said all of this, all these statistics that when he came in, you know, that He's lowered the price of gasoline, and and if you look at the data, it's all it's all gone south. Even jobs that he keeps bragging on when more people are working, but it was only until last month that we reached the number of 131 million of full of the people working before COVID. Right, and and he got down to 3.4. Well, that's what Trump had it down without the inflation, without the high interest rates right before COVID. So, I think he's very confused. And uh, he's going, it's, it's, I keep saying it's geometric, it's cumulative. We're going to see increasingly days where he is physically frail. He turned around this week. Remember, and he didn't know where to exit. Right. Sticks out his hand like there's a ghost there that's going to shake it. And he has these little tiny little steps that he does. And then his wife was out. Oh, my God. Kind of like what you see behind, don't look behind the curtain type of comments you know he's robust like a 30 year old he's not done which translates into i get to be jill jill dr jill for another four or six years so i'm not going to give it up what i've got right kind of like a musical chair i'm in it i'm not going to get up when the music stops so lose my seat and so it's i don't know it's it's just another question of how strong the republic is to endure this and meanwhile uh, you know, we haven't talked about this, but I'll just finish today by we're going to have a monumental primary fight. On the, It's going to be very interesting as this election cycle approaches, because on the left, there is no qualified person. It's not Buttigieg's a joke. Kamala Harris is a joke. Joe Biden is a, is a joke. Gavin Newsom destroy, destroyed what was left of California. He's a joke. They have no, but on the right, they have a lot of very talented people. They have Pompeo, they have uh, DeSantis, and then Trump, and then Nikki Haley, and they're all, I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be messy, and it's going to be a DeSantis-Trump showdown. And and I don't understand the left, because, I mean, this this DA in New York is going after Trump on the Stormy Daniels non-disclosure form. He hushed up the fact that they had a sexual encounter, and then they've got the special counsel that now is suggesting that there may be indictments, right? And I don't know how they're going to – the special counsel is going to indict Trump when they just had another disclosure of more boxes that were taken out of the Biden office of perhaps illegally so with, you know, top security documents that Biden should not have had access to. And then we have – this crazy woman that was the head of the jury 
grand jury down in Georgia that went on all the airwaves bragging how they were kind of vindictive and kind of get Trump for that phone call. So you put it all together and it's it's crazy. I don't know how why the left thinks anybody would was, is going to believe all this when you go after right. for Stormy Daniels or you go after his taxes. And we've already had them released by the Democrats in the House Ways and Means, and there was nothing there. And then we have the, the whole Biden conglomeration where we know they've got millions of incomes and likely they didn't report it. And we know about the documents. It's it's similar or worse than what Trump did. So I don't know how it's all going to work out, but it's going to get nasty, nasty, nasty. And I don't know how much the Republic can take after 2016 and then going after Trump for four years, two impeachments. And what lurks behind all this, Jack, which is fascinating from a historical point of view on every topic, the exposure is on the left. It's not on right. the right. It's projection right. race it races race joe biden said boy he just called the governor of maryland boy he called one of his aides in louisiana boy the corn pop racist stories the racist comments he made about obama put you all in chains junkie you ain't he's a racist and yet he's the point man on calling people racist sexism Tara Reid is much more convincing than anybody that appeared at the Kavanaugh hearing. We have a lot of confirmation from her friends at her time. Her mother went on a radio show to say that her daughter was being uh, harassed. We, it's pretty graphic, her description of what Joe Biden did. And then we, he has this history of blowing into the ears of young women and hair, right. many underage. Right squeezing them too long. And then he admits that the nurse, what she did things to me that she wasn't trained for. Why didn't feminists get angry at that? And then blow into my ears or blow into my nostril. It's it's so it's, creepy. It's creepy. So, it's projection too. Yeah. yeah and then, we, you know, mm-hmm. and then it was, well, Trump was not, he was non-compost meant. Well, he took the Monterey assessment. Why don't, I mean, Montreal assessment. Why don't they have Biden do the same? So it's I guess what it's a reminder of the left is never about issues. It's only about power and aggrandizing and maintaining and expanding power with a corollary that they're never subject to the consequences of what they impose on other people. And everybody should understand that they have no principles. All the people that were attacking Schellenberger and Tlaibe all had rendezvous in the past with racism, sexism, all kinds right. of problems. And nobody, and I think that's, we're getting to a point where the only thing that will save the country is not a close election again. The Republican candidate's going to have to win by five points, and they're going to have to take back the Senate by six or seven seats, and they're going to have to get a 40 or 50 margin in the House, and they're going to have to do something. And I mean it, really do stuff. And if they don't, uh, I I don't know how we can keep going like this because financially we're broke. Our military is in 10 years. I won't mention names, but I, I remember a very prominent four-star general who was a Democrat lecturing at a lecture I went to why women in frontline special forces units and Marines and combat units was a bad idea because they couldn't fulfill the physical requirement. Right. And you don't hear that at all now. No. You don't hear that at all. 
Well, he won't know. get he won't get his uh, job on um, on a Raytheon board if he says something like yeah. that. Yeah, it is. So everybody's got to. I see a little. Just to end on a happy note. I see the Bank of America president said we're capitalist, and you know it's not going to be this ESG stuff. And you're starting to see some pushback on some of the what you're starting to see. Vanguard also. Uh, yeah, Vanguard. Push, you see Bill, on that. Yeah. Bill Maher is, I guess, sick of these people. Uh, people like Dave Chappelle, J.K. Rowling, uh, Schellenberger, Talibi, Musk. You're getting people from the left-wing community yeah. that have, have surmised that they're going to be cannibalized or devoured by their own if they don't say something. Yeah. And they're going to – and they are. And at some point, um, I think people have to use the proper vocabulary. The woke movement is racist. It is a racist movement. It identifies people collectively with no avenue or exception for individuals. And it stereotypes people. And that when Mark Milley says, I'm going to hunt out white rage, he didn't say some white rage. He didn't say, I'm going to look at particular soldiers who might incorporate a rage. He collectively used the adjective white as if that's common to everybody. And if somebody had said, I'm going to go out and look at crime uh over, you know, I'm, I'm going to go out and see if who's a murderer. And I said, I'm going to go look for black murderers. That would be, you know what I mean? That They, they wouldn't use that right. adjective in that term, in that context. And yet it, it, there's a, it, it's not going to continue because it can't continue in a multiracial society for people to just start stereotyping others by their race, always in a pejorative and negative fashion and mostly from a very elite group and then when you see how it trickles down to the real world jack and what happened in east east palestine where a whole community was just written off and people didn't want to get near it biden's never been there Buttigieg took three weeks they don't like those people they didn't want to help those people and had it coming you know, to them yeah they had it coming to them yeah and that's a preview of what would happen to any similar community yeah well, I shouldn't say okay. similar. I mean, Gavin Newsom went to Cabo, why, where my little house is, was buried under 20 feet, and people were trapped up there in their homes. We had some people die in Southern California. Even though there's a drought. Uh, they finally stopped saying that. Yes, I think that they, yes, they, they uh, have okay. to. Now, they, they went from <laughs> climate change has created a permanent drought, and we're never going to have normal rainfall, to climate change has created chaotic wicker, and we're never going to have regular weather and it's too wet now because of climate change too dry too wet either one climate change well victor again we're you know this show is uh coming out on the on the 16th and uh we're recording on saturday and lord only knows what's going to happen between when we're we're talking right now you and i and when the show goes up and uh you know i i have a i have a funny feeling our the stock market's an arbiter of the health of the economy that this is going to be a bad week um for america given given this um uh silicon valley bank uh, collapse which we talked about on a previous podcast so hope and pray that our country is going to weather this and all things that said uh we thank our listeners 
no matter what platform they listen on, Google, Google Play, Stitcher, etc. Uh, those who listen on iTunes and Apple Podcasts can leave zero to five stars if they feel like rating the show. And practically everyone leaves five stars. It's a 4.9 average. We thank those that, who do that. We thank those who leave comments, not only on uh, Apple Podcasts, but also many people leave uh, comments on Victor's website. And, and there's, uh, there's some great debate that goes on in some of those comments on your, on your articles, Victor. It's very entertaining and informative. Um, somebody who left a comment uh, this past week, a name of Daily Wire fan, uh, wrote this. Great show. Love the show. Particularly, I particularly like some of the digressions about the classical world, languages, history, etc. Heck, the discussions about farming are really interesting. Didn't see that coming. I also like the informal format and then the go between between VDH and, and Fowler. Persian and Herodotus talk was great. I like the political content, but the history stuff as a change up is really, really good. Wow. Re-ruptured appendix story. <laughs> great episode. Yeah, that is a great story. Uh, so so glad you survived it. That's Daily Wire fan. Thank you, Daily Wire fan. If I could just say one last thing here, Victor. Get me and my great-grandfather was a grand marshal of the New York St. Patrick's Day in 1917. And it was, you know, that's a big event in New York. And that's that's kind of Irish royalty. And it I thought has the Ozio killed it all. No, no, this, the parade's happening on on Friday this week. You know, it's he hasn't killed it off. There were there, of course, attempts to get force uh, gay Irish groups to march in the parade. The parade is a parade of an organization called the Ancient Order of Hibernians. Uh, but we we can't get the can't get too are much. You into applying, the... Aren't you applying for reparations? Wasn't <laughs> I thought that St. Patrick was a slave? He was kidnapped, right? He was, but you know, you and could. I think the I Irish kidnapped him from England. I thought made him a slave, and then he was a slave for five or six he, years, according to popular lore. I remember. Well, he was Ireland, and, and, right? Yeah, and you know, there are lots of Italians who get so because this is as much of St. Patrick's Day is New Yorky, right? And it just yeah. extends out elsewhere. And so many people said, did you know that, though, that St. Patrick was really an Italian and he, and he was brought <laughs> over to England? And that's because the Italians, and I'm half Italian also, resent that two days after St. Patrick's Day is St. Joseph's Day. That's the patron saint. And there's mm -hmm. you know, all kinds of pastries, et cetera. But it, it doesn't get anywhere near the attention that St. Patrick's Day. So there's a bit of a chip on the shoulder of of, of uh of uh, Italians. Anyway, still, it's a great, it's a great celebration, but I have to t let you know, my, the, the, the parade, my grandfather hosted in by history of the parade is the worst parade ever because there were monsoons that day. And there was only 20 people rode horses, 10 blocks. And that was the wow. parade. Yeah. They, <laughs> any, but still he was the grand marshal. Now I'd like to end by saying this, Victor, there's a beautiful Irish tune called the parting glass. And it goes, it's just a wonderful song. Many Irish bands sing at the end of concerts. Of all the comrades that e'er I had, they are sorry for my going away. And all the sweethearts that e'er I had, they would wish me one more day to stay. But since it falls unto my lot that I should rise and you should not, I'll gently rise and I'll softly call. 
good night and joy be with you all. Thank you, Victor. Thanks, folks, for listening. Happy St. Patrick's Day. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Victor. Thank you, everybody. It's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey.